Most of us know we have a roof over our head and we're going to have food to eat, those kinds of things. What fights for survival is our sense of self. The bright swinging frogmen of the UDT! Hey folks, this is Mark Devine. Welcome back to the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I am in studio at the new SealFit headquarters in Carlsbad, California, and I'm super excited. I'm super excited. How about that? <laughs> I am that, but I'm also excited to introduce my guest today, Christine Hassler. Before I get into Christine's background and let her, um, you know, chat it up about who she is and, you know, what we're going to talk about, I do want to remind you that our Unbeatable Mind Summit is coming up December 1st to 3rd, and um, this is an incredible event. I mean, it's, this is the fifth year I think we've run it, and it's got, spe- this year's speakers include Mark Sisson, uh, my friend, Dr. Kirk Parsley, who's a sleep expert. Uh, some, you know, some of these folks, Christine. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley Horner, who is a fitness uh, expert, also works with battered women. Uh, my Navy SEAL friend, Andy Stump, who does a ton of work to raise awareness for wounded warriors and holds, or did hold, I should say, the world record for uh, wingsuit jump. I think someone just broke that. So he's probably working on breaking it again. Joshua Mance, Army captain who was killed in combat. Came back to life for our summit, and many of you are raising your eyebrows. He actually was dead, declared dead for 15 minutes, and he came back to life. Extraordinary story. What a, what a neat guy. I can't wait to hear from him. Uh, J.P. Sears, who's a nutcase, a super fun guy. You're going to love him. And one of my yoga mentors, Gary Kraskow, who's going to run us through some breathing training and talk about the science of mental development. So it's going to be an incredible lineup. We're going to do lots of five-mountain training, develop a plan, so the 2018 is going to be just a crushing year. All right, so it's not too late to register. It is filling up fast. I'm not kidding. Uh, so if you want to go and you're thinking about it, then take advantage of this offer. At Go to summit.unbeatablemind.com. That's summit.unbeatablemind.com. And use the code PODCAST200 at checkout. That's PODCAST200 at checkout. So I hope to see you there. And that is the end of my public service announcement. So I'll give you a quick intro of Christine, and then we're going to get right into let her tell her story. Christine Hassler is a best-selling author. Uh, the one that we're going to talk a little bit about today is called Expectation Hangover. She was a Hollywood agent who ditched that job. Probably thank goodness, considering <laughs> what a mess that world is. Um, so she could pursue her passion. And now for over a, uh, 10 years, she's been a keynote and a life coach and an emotional coach, a podcaster, and uh, a term here, which I'm really interested to learn more about, a spiritual psychologist. Uh, her podcast is called Over It and On With It. So Christine um, believes that we need to get out of our own way and show up to make a meaningful impact in the world. So Near and dear to our heart and our message. Christine, thanks for joining us. Hooyah, appreciate it. And it's Hoo-yah. good to see you again. It's so good to see you too. It's yeah. very, it's cool to be in the new offices. I feel like I'm at the beginning of the next chapter. I, know. I think you're like one of the few visitors we've had where you've got the tour, so to oh, speak, great. of the new H, the new secret location in Carlsbad, <laughs> it is very California. Secret. You know, we, we were talking about how public we were before with yeah. our Encinitas kind of huge facility. People used to come from around the world and they, they would have to stop in like it was Mecca. And I'm imagining people still doing that who don't know we've moved and are just like walking around down there. Going, Where, Where are they? Where are they? What happened? We're at a secret undisclosed location in Carlsbad now, but it's pretty cool. And inside we now have a studio gym, a studio yoga studio, and we'll soon have a podcast studio. We have the factory and offices. Yeah, you've got place your guard for, dog. Place for danger to hang out, the guard dog. <laughs> who didn't wake up My when I walked dog. in. <laughs> So anyways, Christine, why don't you tell us, um, tell the audience a little bit about who you are, where you came from, like your yeah. early influences and, and like why you do what you do. Like give a sense of the character okay. uh, behind the girl here. Mm, why I do what I do, because I needed it. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm my own best, best client, best student. So give you some context just so you can understand a little bit more as, as what my why is, because I think... Okay. All of our whys start in childhood on some level. Yeah, even if it's 
Because it sent us down the wrong path. Exactly. And then we had to figure it out. Exactly. Exactly. So for me, I, I grew up in Texas and was a very outgoing, happy little girl. And then things changed for me when I started to get teased bullied a bit, left out, and I formed this story of mm-hmm. I'm not likable. And some other really hard things happened. I had some medical problems. I was diagnosed with depression when I was 11 and put yes. on antidepressants at 11 and started to see a psychiatrist and all that kind of stuff. So the stories that formed were I'm unlikable and I'm broken and there's something mm-hmm. wrong with me. And all of us have significant life events in our childhood that hurt us in some way, make us feel unsafe, make us feel unloved, make us feel like we don't belong. And those are so painful, so Mm -hmm. painful. And our ego to survive, it has to come up with some kind of what I call a compensatory strategy, like some way to feel more than, or some way to fit in, or some way to get love when we don't feel it. And my particular brand- So you mean like an exaggerated personality trait? It's it's more like if, if we feel unsafe or unloved or less than in some way, we feel threatened. And since we aren't fighting for like our basic survival, most of us know we have a roof over our head, know we're going to have food to eat, those kinds of things. What fights for survival is our sense of self and our identity. Mm -hmm. So it's like, who am I if I'm not loved? Who am I if I'm not safe? We've got to come up with some way to compensate for wherever we feel less than or out of control or something like that. And these become out of sync personality traits or even personality disorders such as like narcissistic personality disorder they can go that far whatever they can totally go that far Uh, but most of us don't go that far most of us don't develop a a personality disorder we have these compensatory strategies i'll give you an example of mine and then i'll I'll give you some other ones yeah because my mind is already thinking about what mine were i think i know i think i might be able to guess yours (laughs) too we might overachievement might have been one of them we might exactly ding 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 so that was mine okay overachiever high achiever. I thought, well, if I'm not going to be liked and if something's wrong with me mentally or physically, then I'm just going to get the best grades and be successful. Got it. Other examples are- And our our academic system plays right into that. Oh, totally. Totally. Interesting. But everybody picks their particular brand. And sometimes you have a hybrid. So another example is a people pleaser. Like if, if at some point in your life you felt unloved or you felt like you got in trouble from one of your parents or maybe your parents like fought a lot and the way you could make them happy or get their love was to please them and, t- and you know, get, get their approval that way, then you might become a pl- people pleaser. Right, okay. Or you might be a caretaker if you found your worthiness by taking care of other people, coming to the rescue, solving their problems. Mm-hmm. Or you might be, be a bit of a control freak, mm-hmm. like people that grew up in a lot of chaos, like a lot of moving, or again, parents fighting, or just a lot of uncertainty or abandonment. You just want to control everything. You're type A. If you want something done, you do mm-hmm. it yourself. These are these are just some of the, the common kind and of And these carry strategies. in through adulthood unless well, unless you take a hard look at them. Yes. Like if you have a hard stop in life or things yes. are just not working out. Did well, that happen to you? Was there a certain incident that... Oh my gosh, there was, there was so many things. And the thing about these is not only do they carry through, but they're effective. Yeah, right. They're, they're very effective. effective. Yeah. Yeah. Like the overachievers, you have success. People pleasers, people like you. Caretakers, people need you. Control freaks, you have a lot of certainty in your life. Mm-hmm. So they work on the goal line, mm-hmm. but they're not very fulfilling on the soul line. Oh, so, wow. Look at that. little rhyme there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So like Trademark. Tra- <laughs> I, I think I learned that in my spiritual psychology program, the goal, <laughs> the goal line, soul line. So I can't, I can't own the trademark, but it's a good one. So for me, the overachieving was highly effective. I mm-hmm. graduated at the top of my class. Yeah, I went to a great college. Lots of accolades for the grades, got into the right schools, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that became my identity. Mm-hmm. And that the thing about these strategies is we think they are a personality. Mm-hmm. We think they are who we are, but they're not. You know, I, I see that particular trait as almost dominant in our culture. And a lot of people who come to our, some of our SEAL fit training has like a, a wake up type yeah. of, effect to it yeah. where it can really wake you up to these stories and i see a lot of people in their 40s 50s you know well into their lives who are extraordinarily successful still living that story yeah. and when you live that way you're constantly living in when thens mm-hmm. and for the overachievers particularly the bar keeps getting raised right and enough is never enough 
Now, mm-hmm. I see so many people, I'm sure you do too, that are highly successful but still feel like there's something missing, mm-hmm. still Absolutely. feel like there's more. People pleasers end up resentful because mm-hmm. it's all about everybody else. Caretakers end up depleted. and Because they're pleasing everyone else, pleasing but nobody's reciprocating. Right. Because there's no requirement to reciprocate. And people pleasers are terrible receivers. Right. They really it. suck at receiving. Try to give a people pleaser a compliment. Here's another rhyme. A peeper pleaser is not a receiver. <gasps> Whoa, on a roll. <laughs> you can have that one. <laughs> all right. No, I think we'll let that one slide. <laughs> but you know what, though? Okay, and this is for all the people pleasers out there. People pleasing is actually selfish. People think it's selfless, mm-hmm. but it's actually when we're people pleasing, we're the one that wants to be liked. Right. We're the one that doesn't right. want confrontation. However, it's selfish in a self depleting way. It's disguised neediness. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm like a hack emotional coach, mainly because, and most people know this who are listening, that I've been married to a therapist for yeah. 24 years. And I've been to like enormous number of hours of therapy and Me too. some of it because I was really needed it badly. And, and then as I got a little bit more into it, because I really was intrigued yeah. with learning the emotional side and it's something that, that everybody needs. And that's why I don't like calling a, a therapist a therapist. I look at it as a coach, Absolutely. an emotional coach. You have a fitness coach, you have an executive coach. Why not have an emotional coach? I agree. And it's a very specific set of skills. Everyone's got some sort of pattern that they're or story they're living that an emotional coach can help unwind and then mm-hmm. connect with that emotional mm-hmm. maturity, right? Yes. Is that your experience? Yes. And I feel, and this is based on a lot of evidence too, that humans for the most part, we don't like to feel, we like to feel the good stuff, mm-hmm. but we are really great at suppressing our emotions and distracting ourselves from them. And we live in a time where there are so many outlets mm-hmm. for not feeling your emotions. And I see time and time again, people cope with emotions by being strong, pushing through, having some kind of addiction. And work is one of those society, like mm-hmm. society accepts that and reinforces mm-hmm. that. I, we can bookmark this, but the whole like to be an entrepreneur, you have to work 20 hours a day to earn your badge of honor as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Like that, that doesn't have to be true. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of the spiritual bypass, you know, the, the pep talk that I'm just going to jump to the, to the silver lining. Right. And, most of us, we don't have tools to really release our emotion mm-hmm. and have a healthy relationship with them. Mm-hmm. But our emotions are powerful. They're really, really powerful. And if we repress them and suppress them, then we end up with depression or addiction, or we end up like I call leaky. We we're irritable or we snap at other people. Or, you know, those are the kind of ways that that if we don't have like an emotional coach, like you said, we end up kind of these volcanoes that are Mm -hmm. just about to erupt at any time, or we completely shut down. Mm. And the key is, I believe in therapy, I believe in coaching, but it's almost like finding a a mate and dating. You've got to find a good one. Because sometimes therapy can be too indulgent in emotions. For example, if you go to a therapist's office and you're just sitting and talking about the same thing over and over and over again, and you're just crying or you're angry or whatever, and there's no progress, there's no connecting the dots, there's no responsibility, there's no compassion being placed with the emotion. Rehashing is not the same as releasing or growing. Exactly. So, and I think that's right, the gestalt therapy of the past where you just talk about all your problems, you know, like what you see in the movies and on TV, that's largely been debunked. Yep. Even though a lot of people are still doing it. Yep. It's not to say that you don't want to identify, but then, you know, you use tools. Use tools. To get to the source and then to release that energy. And I, I love the the whole movement toward, you know, multidisciplinary somatic mm-hmm. type work where it's mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of talk, but then there's the breath. Exactly. And maybe some movement or art, you exactly. know, or drawing. To move that, like I, I'm yeah. a big fan of ecstatic dance, like anything that like gets the emotion up and out. And good therapy. Or seal fit training. Seal fit training. There you go. There you Boom. go. There, yeah. That'll that'll do it that'll for do sure. It in a big way, yeah. Exactly. So back to your story. Yes. Now, we can go down this rabbit hole and I want to come back to okay. like tools and strategies. Yeah, yeah. Got lots. Yeah. I bet. But tell us about kind of where your breaking point was. Did you just have an aha moment? Did you kind of hit bottom? What was your... Oh, I wish. I wish that I like had this aha moment and then an instant everything changed and I was suddenly enlightened. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? No. I did have a rock bottom moment, but the up wasn't like straight shot. It was step by step by step. It rarely is. Yeah, it rarely is. And and yeah, it really is. 
This podcast is supported by my friends at Ample, a convenient and healthy meal in a bottle. Now, the Ample meal isn't just a protein shake. It's a complete meal, including the fiber, healthy fats, protein, and pre and probiotics. I love this stuff, and I try to have at least one a day. Check them out at amplemeal.com. Now, they know how much I love this product and are offering you, the listener, a 15% discount off your first order if you enter the code UNBEATABLE15. That's 1-5. UNBEATABLE15. I know how hard it is when you're constantly traveling, training, running from here and there. It's nonstop the world we live in, and having an ample meal on the go makes eating healthy so much easier. It helps me stay on track and eating healthy, knowing I'm getting all the nutritional needs met. I just pack the bottle in my bag, and then when I add water, I drink it, I'm done. Piece of cake. So check out amplemeal.com. Use the code unbeatable1515, unbeatable15, to get 50% off your first order. This is the new MRE. Check it out. Here we are. On that note, like this Joshua Mance guy, I did the podcast with Joshua. He was the Army guy I mm. mentioned earlier. So after his incident in Afghanistan, it took him 10 years to recover. And he said it wasn't recovering from the, the injury and the combat stress. It was actually an awakening that he had because, you know, not many people face death and then get a second chance. And so his whole journey was emotional development mm, for 10 years that. it took him so that's about how long it really takes to develop the kind of awareness over those patterns isn't it it, it, it really does because yeah. we're 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 having to rewire our brain right. you know we have these neural nets in our brain based on thoughts and emotions yeah. we we not only have a default in terms of our thought patterns we have a default in terms of our emotion right and that's physiological like right. we create certain hormones based on our thoughts mm-hmm. and our feelings right. and we have to like really be intentional about shifting that and consistent about shifting it. And I think that's one of the myths that I like to bust in the personal transformation industry is there's no quick fix. Mm-hmm. Don't expect to go no to hack. one workshop right. and boom, you're done. Right. What I will say is my time between dips or expectation hangovers, like I call them, has gotten longer. And the time I spend suffering in them has gotten shorter. Because I have right. more tools and probably less suffering. And le- yeah, exactly right. less. And, and it's even did. it's even I have an acceptance of it. The suffering isn't there. I kind of I relate to it as all right. This isn't so great, but I'm learning something. I'm going to dive right into it. I'm going to leverage it because I know it's happening for me, mm-hmm. and it's just getting me to the next level. But the suffering doesn't have to be necessary. I think humans. Throughout our life, we're going to experience upset. We're going to experience disappointment. We're going to experience pain from time to time. But I think that we prolong and create the suffering because we judge our experience. We resist it so much. Sure. We don't. We want it so badly to be different. Right. You know, you get fired from a job and you you're in regret and you're thinking about the past and you want it so badly to be different instead of accepting it, asking what can I learn from this. Mm-hmm. The question why is this happening? I think it's just nowhere. What am I learning? That's a powerful question. Yeah, I love that. So the, the, the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of the questions we ask. I learned that in my early 20s when I started to ask, why was I miserable? Mm-hmm. And my achiever self, right, which was overemphasized, had led me to NYU to get my MBA and my CPA and all that kind of stuff. And there I was. But I had the great fortune of learning to meditate mm. with a Zen master mm. when I was 21. And Talk about a neuroplastic effect. Oh. And the yeah, emotional 21, development that's at 21, amazing. right? Because my brain was still developing. Exactly. And, but it, the, the quietness caused me to see these questions that I was asking almost subconsciously. And when I realized they were all very disempowering questions, such as, why is this happening? Why am I not happening? You know, mm-hmm. why, why, why? It's almost like a victim mentality. I was able to shift those inner dictum and ask different questions. Yeah. And then that li- literally led me through a transformation process. Mm. That led me into the Navy SEALs. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. So it sounds like you had a similar kind of Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess I should finally complete yeah, that story. So I keep story. going off on tangents. Um, so I, my overachieving self got me, you know, graduated at the top of my class and at my college early, mm-hmm. moved out to Hollywood. I don't even think I was 21. 
Did you want to be an actress? No, no. So as a kid, I was an actor. So my parents got me into acting classes as a kid because they saw me just retreat because mm-hmm. I had so much. They wanted to pull you. Yeah, out I yourself. had I had challenge socially. So I took TV acting classes, and when the camera came on and I had a script and I could be someone else, I could really like be myself because it's almost like I had permission. But I I got scouted at seventeen, moved out to the Oakwood Apartments in Burbank, and went on auditions and realized, wow, this is a lot of rejection. Hmm. Rejection is already my sore point. Right. I don't know that I want to do this. And the overachiever in me thought this leaves too much into chance. I want something I can have more control over. So I studied TV and film and I moved out to, I didn't know what, but I thought maybe a producer or something like that. But I ended up at an agency. I ended up at the William Morris Agency, which is now William Morris Good thing Endeavor. It wasn't the Weinstein agency. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but believe me, I had my share of it in the entertainment industry as a young woman and worked my way up and eventually became an agent at the age of 25, which was unheard of to be promoted that young right. and to be a female mm-hmm. as well. Did and you have any notable clients at the time? Most we of my not? clients were writers, producers, directors. Oh, okay. So no, people, mo- you, names you'd see on screens, but mm-hmm. not like famous people you'd know. Mm-hmm. But I was living the life, Mark. I mean, I, you know, I had it all. I was making six figures by the time I was 25. I was wow. dating the head of, movie, of a movie studio. So between my life and his life, it was private jets, jets and hanging out with celebrities and Oscars and Golden Globes. Yeah, most and people would say that is awesome. Exactly. Well done, Christine. Well you made done, it. right? I made it. I remember yeah. one New Year's Eve. It was a very small dinner party. And I'm sitting next to George Clooney on one side hmm. and Cindy Crawford on the other. Well, the guy I was with and then... I think maybe she was across from me, kind of looking around going, I'm still not happy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, something's really wrong with me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm still not happy. And I also started to see that people, not everyone, but that money and fame was not the recipe for happiness. Mm-hmm. Like I got an early look at that, which I'm glad. And I remember going up to my office one day and the man who owned the agency was a huge art collector. And outside of my office, there was this painting that was probably worth, who even knows how much, but a lot of money. And it was a woman in like this negligee who was nine months pregnant in a yard sale gone awry with a UFO like ship up above (laughs) and like a spotlight shining down on her. Like, and she was like, take me. And I remember one day just staring at that painting, feeling like that woman Mm -hmm. and going, who am I? How did I get here? I don't belong. Mm. You know, again, my whole life I was searching for belonging and searching for meaning and I knew it wasn't there. So after a lot of thinking, I ended up quitting. And I I I thought if you take a leap of faith, you know, you land in the clouds the and things work out. The universe will provide for you. That's what all the books say, right? And, yeah, that's what it, and the movies and everything. Says, yeah. No, my my books say when you take a leap of faith, there's a free fall. Yeah, stand by. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows how long that free fall is going to be? But yeah. So I quit my job, which is my whole identity. Sends me into an even worse depression. And by this time, I'm on antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills, and fighting migraines and an autoimmune disorder. Hmm. Then I am um, temporarily estranged from my family because I made a decision that they didn't approve of. Contrary, yeah, that happened to me as well, a little bit. And then I went into debt because I tried to keep up with my Hollywood lifestyle. And then six months before my wedding, my fiance broke up with me. So I lost. I was well, five fact, whatever five is, you know, like five (laughs) fact. I love that words, making up words. It's great. I had a five fact, and. Didn't have my all the things I clung to for identity, and I I really hit rock bottom. I mean, I was I was severely depressed. I was crying every day. I had met my life coach at twenty two, but so much of kind of what she was telling me, I was not really taking to heart. It was cogni- cognized, but not internalized. Yeah, well, and I resisted it yeah, yeah, because it required yeah. making changes I didn't necessarily right, want to make. That makes sense. But when I finally That's hit that rock, common, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we if resist. You're not ready to hear it, the message then. It's yep. not going to land. Absolutely. Or or it, it does land and then we like make the person wrong for it. There were so yeah. many times I broke up with her. Like sometimes we break up with our <laughs> coaches or therapists because I was like, you're so wrong. I'm not going to do that. But finally I realized that, and this was my aha moment, that the common denominator in everything, like my health, my money, my family, the breakup, my job was me. Mm. And that's a <laughs> that's a wake up call when you realize that 
you are the creator of your life. And when we're in that place, we have two choices. Well, actually three. The two most common places people go to are victim, Mm -hmm. like my life sucks, things don't work out for me, or intense Mm self-blame. This is all my fault. What did I do wrong? Yeah, both the, of those are blue pill choices. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> you got to take the red pill. The red pill. What would the red pill be? The red pill would be to take responsibility for your actions. Yeah, and then to start learning how to unwind the exactly. pattern. Exactly. Yeah. To go. Why is this happening for me? What yeah. am I learning? So that's when I went to Mona, my coach, and I'm like, okay, like I'm all in. Show me, teach me. Yeah, and, and that's and, the emptying your cup and, mm-hmm. and humbly asking for help. Yep. Desperately. <laughs> Desperately, humbly. Help yeah, me. you say desperate, I say humble, but they may be, may be the same. They may thing. be the, the kind of the same. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, that's how it, that's how it began. Now, and so you were around 24, 25. And this so about 26 when it 26, happened okay. and um, got the idea to write my first book and, and then just started being more open about what I was going through. Mm-hmm. I, I Wait, so you hit rock bottom and then you just come out and write a book? I mean, there must have been some serious growth that happened. Yep. Yep. Maybe it was a pretty accelerated growth. It was. It was definitely you were so accelerated. Ready for it? I was okay. so ready. It was definitely accelerated. I had a great teacher, and what happened is I started talking about this quarter life crisis thing that so mm. many twenty somethings were going through. That's interesting. I've never heard that, but I I do see in our training kind of a couple pockets where people seem to have these issues. One of them is in the early twenties when people mm-hmm. are like. This is my life. I was told this is what it's going to be. And then they're waking up to that story and going, holy shit. Like both of us had that experience. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is kind of like the midlife. But you say it's probably even, yeah, there's probably even more. Well, yeah, it hits us at different points. But I think what's fascinating about the 20s and my first two books were for people in their 20s is there's so much pressure to figure everything out. Yeah. And I, I believe that the thing we should be figuring out in our 20s is who we really are. Right. Not who we want to marry and what we want to do with our life. The first step, and that's why I wrote the books that I did, was really who am I? What do I want and how do I get it? And who mm-hmm. am I independent of the story and what I've been told I have to be and all of those things? I think it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, an incredible time to do a lot of personal reflection. Mm-hmm. And so that's I became obsessed with it. I became... Mm-hmm workshops and books and everything I could get my hands on. And that's when I decided to write the book and become a coach because it was helping me so mm-hmm. much. And then people, I was a personal trainer to pay my bills and my fitness, clients, yes, fitness, fitness, trainer, fitness, okay. fitness trainer. And my clients would say to me, I just want to talk to you. Do we have to work out? And I started to realize I had a knack for coaching mm-hmm. and for talking to people and mm-hmm. for psychology. My mom's a therapist. So, okay. Yeah. 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 So what, about the degree in spiritual psychology. Mm. I mean, I, when we had breakfast or coffee that time when I first met you, we talked a little bit about this. I know some folks who had gone to the, yeah. is it Santa Monica? University of Santa University Monica. Of Santa Monica. Yeah. Tell us about that. Most people aren't familiar with that term, spiritual psychology. In fact, most people have aren't really sure what we mean by the term spiritual either. Right. Because everyone's got a different idea, different idea of what of that it. is. So let's talk about that a little bit. I didn't and know how does either. it relate to emotional development? Absolutely. I'll answer. Let's see if I remember all those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I threw three different questions. Sorry about that. No, that's totally okay. It's really just kind of one question. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see where I, how I answer it. So I didn't know what it was either. All I knew is as a life coach, I felt like I was doing a disservice to people, only helping them with their future and present. Mm-hmm. Because so much of our, our past really does influence our present and future, and all of us need to clean it up at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So we don't keep we don't keep using it as what's driving us right. or as the excuse for why we don't have what we want. Mm-hmm. So and I, and plus, my ego th- thought some letters after my name would be you know good. Sure. So I enrolled, and I really didn't know what it was. I was just like, spiritual's cool, like psychology's cool, sounds great, master's program, awesome. And I had no idea the experience that I was in for. It's a highly experiential program. So everything, every skill set that you learn, you go right into a trio where one person's the counselor, one person's the client, one person's the observer, and you practice the tool in all three roles. Mm -hmm. And so it made me fall in love with experiential learning mm-hmm. as a way to learn yeah. rather than the the traditional someone teaches you something you memorize it you regurgitate Did you have it back papers to write and a little bit but they were they were more about our own development oh, you cool. know and, and and i learned so much about myself in the program and 
The spiritual part is is really putting the soul back into psychology. Mm-hmm. You know, because psyche, okay, yeah. that has to do with the soul. Mm-hmm. And psychology in terms of the, the practice out there is mm-hmm. just it's just kind of mind. Well, in the in the original concept, in the Gre- Greco concept, it was whole it was whole person. Exactly. So when you're talking about psychology, right, you were talking about the whole mind. The whole which mind. included the emotions and a concept of spirituality as well yes. as how that was showing up in your psychology, what we would call psychology today, which yes. has been conflated to thinking. Well, and, and so I, like I Usually said, I dysfunctional saw, thinking. Exactly. And I saw my first shrink when I was 11 and therapy got me to a certain point, but I always felt like there was something missing and I always felt like I was broken and I was just trying to go to fix myself. Mm-hmm. And what I learned in spiritual psychology and why the program appealed to me so much is because it, it comes from the belief that inside all of us is this, this soul that's, that's unbroken that's whole and complete and full of unconditional love and compassion. And it doesn't, we don't need labels and that every single person has all the inner resources inside. They need to heal anything Mm -hmm. to really heal anything. And so it was profound for me because I, when I entered the program, I was still in antidepressants Mm. and I truly believed that I had a chemical imbalance. And if I was a diabetic, I'd take insulin. So I'm depressed. I take these drugs, even though I didn't want to, like, even though I felt like they were, preventing me from feeling everything I could possibly feel. And so by putting the soul back into psychology, I found not only my connection to a higher power, that's that's my definition of spirituality, mm-hmm. is that some connection to a higher power, call it God, call it spirit, call it nature, call it whatever you want, mm-hmm. but knowing we're not alone, knowing mm-hmm. that there's this kind of unconditional force of truth and love that literally has our back. Mm-hmm. and is a guidance system that we're all connected to and connects you and I, you know, mm-hmm. that, that creates that oneness. So so you use the term soul and spirit almost mm-hmm. interchangeably. Is there a distinction between the two? I, you know, to As a matter me, of opinion, I'm not, I know you can't yeah, I'm, opine yeah. as the expert. I know. Hello, I'm the <laughs> expert on soul and spirit. <laughs> that would be, that would be my ego. Um uh, for me, I feel like our our soul is something we have inside, yeah. right? And and spirit is is more that higher power, expansive, all, expansive, us, yeah. all, all around. But us. The, the two are connected. One hundred thousand percent. That's interesting because that that's kind of the way that I have described it as well. That that there's a local version of spirit that we could call soul, mm-hmm. and that's you know the spirit that resides inside of us and that runs through us, and then that's connected or part of. The yeah. universal. It's like the the wave, you know, the wave in the water metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the ocean is the spirit, and the, the, ocean, wave, and the wave is, is the, the soul yeah. that arises, has a completely unique existence, and crashes again, mm-hmm. and that's like represents a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But it's one hundred percent wet. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the rest of the ocean. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's I love that me- picture. Metaphor, I love yeah. that picture. The halo neurostimulation system will help you to push boundaries and to perform at your maximum capacity. Now, I'm often testing new products here at Unbeatable Mind, and Halo is the most recent that I've tested. And I felt it absolutely needed to be passed on to the tribe. It's a neurostim device that electrically stimulates the movement centers in your brain. It helps you to move better and faster through neuroplastic adaptation. It's as simple to use as downloading an app and plugging in headphones and then sticking them on your head. Use it for 20 minutes and then you go do your movement or your workout. Now Halo, the company, has graciously offered to give a discount to Unbeatable Mind listeners. If you go to haloneuro.com and at checkout use the code UNBEATABLEMIND125, which will give you $125 off a Halo Sport model. That's an unbelievable offer. So use unbeatable mind one two five at haloneuro.com, H-A-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com to get $125 off. Very generous offer that they put together. Hope you check it out. Hoo ya. So that was a two-year program, and it was really transformational for you, it sounds like. It was very transformational for me. I ended up going a third year and getting another master's in consciousness, health, and healing, which was nice. a lot about the mind-body connection. And, and okay. then I ended up serving on faculty there for three years and taught on the program. So it's a huge foundation of my life and Mm -hmm. my work. And it was key for me. I mean, I'm off antidepressants. I have been for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, that's one of the things that I get asked this question a lot when people say, how'd you get off of them? Because a lot of people want to. Yeah. And I'm not here to make a judgment of them being right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I think it's totally an internal thing. Most people, when they get on the consciousness, on the mindfulness path, have a desire to not be medicated. Right. And it was not an overnight thing. I didn't just stop. And I had to approach it. Because there really is a chemical imbalance. Oh, yes. The the body has an incredible ability to rebalance itself. It does. But you got to come at it from all angles. You got to really hit it from all angles. Yeah. So I. And be patient. And and be patient and know that, you know, it was an addiction. So I was Mm -hmm. coming off. I mean, I was coming off a drug. Mm. So I had to approach it physically look at my mm-hmm. diet no alcohol for two years because mm-hmm. it's a depressant mentally like really like rewire my brain notice mm-hmm. my thought patterns have mm-hmm. to be like in, in expectation hangover in the book on the mental level i talk about like our mind is like a galloping horse but yeah. we're the horseback rider and mm-hmm. sometimes we got to go whoa and we got to take those reins and steer it you a know what direction. that metaphor shows up in the bhagavad gita does it really yeah with arjuna and krishna krishna is the charioteer now let's see uh, anyways i'm gonna get it wrong okay. but the the horse the chariot's being pulled by the horses the horses represent the unruly that. mind i love and that. the reins are you know the, the the ability to take control of that and arjuna is huh. standing there having conversation with Krishna. it's fascinating i did not know yeah, that so well I, you know i there you I, go. I really do think patterns we're all, show up yeah we're all tapped and in and pulling from you know pulling yeah. from kind of the same thing And then I really had to approach it emotionally. Like I had to get, because the thing like we were talking about earlier is depression is tied to suppression. Mm. So I'll tell you a story about- That's interesting too. uh, Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Like so many depressed people, it's suppressed creativity, suppressed emotion. And so the story I was going to tell was, so Mona, my first coach- Which leads to oppression, by the way. Exactly. (laughs) It does. Suppression, depression will lead to oppression. It does. It does. None of the pressions are bueno. Yeah, stay away from those pressions. Stay away from the pressions. It's too much pressure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, back got to it. the story. I got it. So we're going to have to write all these down. So I'm in a session with her, and her sessions were always at her house. And picture like someone that's very stuck in 1985. Like the decor was like cheesy is an understatement for her style and decor. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it was funny. So one session I'm, I'm talking about, you know, wanting to, to not be depressed and so on and so forth. And she's like, hold on. She leaves the room and she's like blonde, blue eyes character. She leaves the room. She comes back with this huge pillow that has duct tape around it, a tennis racket and gardening gloves. <laughs> and she's like, put on the gardening gloves, grab this tennis racket, hit this pillow and scream. Mm. And I said, that is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not, gonna I'm do not that. doing that. That is stupid. Why do you want me to do that? And she said, because you're angry. I'm not angry. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm just depressed. I don't have the job I like or the guy I like or whatever I was complaining about at the time. She's like, uh-huh. And so she got on the floor and demonstrated, which was terribly uncomfortable for me. But then it was my turn. And at first I was very awkward. I was hitting very wimpy. I was making little teeny sounds. But then she tried to help. She helped me put words to it. Like I'm angry because or I'm frustrated because or I mm-hmm. want this to be over because. And I started to really, for the first time in my life, and this is so important for women because we don't have many outlets for it, yeah. I started to learn how to release anger mm-hmm. in not just a cathartic, but a healthy therapeutic way. And I, I believe in meditation and mindfulness. I think that's incredibly effective. But for a lot of us, when we have that repressed rage or emotion or sadness or anger, we actually need a physical it's release. stuck in the body. It the mind the can't body. get to it. Exactly. So the breath can with some some different types of breathing exercises, but movement and breath combine, which yep. you're doing when you strike something. Exactly. And when right? you're using words. And using words is, you know, that's the, that's the breath, but yep. the word has meaning. Exactly. So you're combining, that's a powerful somatic practice. Mm-hmm. I've actually participated in that with six people watching me. That's me. Yeah. What fun. Yeah. Well, I yeah. demonstrate it in, in, in expectation hangover. I call it the temper tantrum technique. Okay. And then in my online course, I show people how to do it. Is this something people can do alone? Oh, 100%. Okay, yeah. 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 I, I take you through the whole process of how mm. to do it. And again, it's different than catharsis because a lot of workshops out there just have people yell people and scream. Like put a picture of someone on the pillow? <laughs> they might. I don't advise it. But hey, way better to get your anger out that way. Right. You know, for me, there were some things that happened in my childhood, in my past where I couldn't speak my truth. Mm-hmm. I couldn't 
fight back. I couldn't say what I needed to say. Mm -hmm. And all that gets lodged in, you know, your body and it makes it harder to, to speak up, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I see this with not just women, but men too. Like we, we, we aren't, we don't have a voice a lot of times in our life. So doing this kind of release work really helps us put words to things that maybe we didn't have in the past. That's awesome. So what are, that sounds like a foundational tool, Mm -hmm. right? To kind of get things moving, get the energy released. What are, uh, you know, without going into too much detail, we have about 10 minutes left here. What are some of the other like really powerful tools that you found have been helpful for both male and female clients? I know a lot of your clients are male as well. Yes. Executives and whatnot. Yes, yes, yes. Which has been fascinating for me because working with men and creating a space for them to be vulnerable is Mm -hmm. so powerful and so needed. And for I sure, and I'm talking about vulnerability being one of the core leadership it's traits huge. that you have to develop, or skills, or qualities. I guess you'd call it. It's absolutely it's transparency huge. and vulnerability, and it's very, very difficult, especially yeah. for you know older, older than forty men, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think the millennials are having a little bit easier time with it. I agree. I yeah. agree because they have a little more modeling. There's a right. little more out there right. in They're terms more, open, more openness. People are talking about it, uh, but I'm finding so many men, especially the more successful they get over forty weird fears are coming up like mm-hmm. fears of flying Interesting. and fears of like running this big business, but feeling like a fraud, like who's going to find out? Like I'm really not qualified, <laughs> no you know, like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so there's, and this, this is kind of getting into your question. And so what happens is then the inner critic gets louder mm-hmm. when we don't have vulnerability, when we don't have self-compassion, that voice of the inner critic gets so, so loud. And we mistakenly believe that we need that inner critic to drive us because let's face it, the inner critic is effective. Right. Like if I'm super hard on myself, it'll get me to do stuff. But again, it's depleting and yeah, it's that, self-abusive. That's like you can, in very select circumstances, use negative energy, negative emotions to propel you to action. Exactly. But I agree with you over the long term and as, a, as your only strategy, yeah. it'll drain you. Yeah, it'll totally drain you. Yeah. So I'm going to give a tool and there may be some eye rolls because people might think it's cheesy, but it so works and it's super easy and you can do it and no one even has to know, okay? okay? So we want to get into the energy of compassion, especially when the inner critic is flaring compassion up. Compassion to ourselves. Com- yes, yeah. to ourselves. So passion actually means suffering. That's the original definition. Mm-hmm. Co means with. So compassion means just being with our suffering. Hmm. And being able to hold a space for ourselves, where there's one part of us going through the experience, the person, personality, ego, and then there's the other part of us, the soul level, that's holding space for that experience. And mm-hmm. that's like, it's okay, I'm here, it's okay. So one of my favorite tools for when you're really being hard on yourself or you're having trouble finding that compassion is to have a picture of yourself as a kid. You can mm-hmm. have it on your phone, you can have it in your wallet, whatever, because there's something that's so profoundly state shifting about looking at a picture of us when we're like three, four, five, six, seven, that mm-hmm. age, connecting with it and being like, whoa, like that's right. me. That's who I'm being mean to. When I see my picture at that age, I'm like, who is that little mutant kid? <laughs> what a dork. A mutant? <laughs> you judge yourself? We need to work on oh, this. Oh man, maybe I need a session. With yes, you. <laughs> you need to like find that place of compassion and be like, wow, you know, because when we look at that picture, <laughs> believe me, I can look at some of my teenage pictures. Most of them have been destroyed when I had mouth appliances and acne and all kinds of stuff and be like, oh, but there's the sweetness and this innocence mm. that we have. And I've given this to some, all my clients, the women take it up, no problem. Men are like, oh, I don't know. But when they do it, they, they call me and they're like, that, that, that really worked. That's like, interesting, yeah. it, it really worked. Like it's helping me feel compassion. It's helping yeah. me. Cause when we're first vulnerable with ourselves, it's easier to be vulnerable yeah. with other people. I agree with that. This actually, I was kind of being facetious. This reminds me of a, a visualization technique that I now use, but it was taught to me by a therapist through EMDR mm. was to, um, go back in a visualization to yeah. find a memory that is, you can do it both po- powerful mm-hmm. and also the, you know, negative, right? Something mm-hmm. really bad that happened, but it's important to go back to a powerful moment and see yourself yeah, and then to really get an image and connect and actually have a conversation Absolutely. with that earlier kind of child version of yourself. And then, you know, you, go, you can go back to really negative events that you're willing to remember 
and to 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 see what happens and then to evoke the emotional yep. experience and then to reframe it reframe there and that's it. where you could use that compassion technique. Yes, and and what's so amazing Mark, I'm sure you know this is the mind doesn't know the difference between reality and a well-imagined thought or memory. Of course, yeah. So one thing we learned in yeah. the spiritual psychology program is healing is the application of love to the places inside that hurt. Nice. So I use that similar technique mm-hmm. with my clients and we actually will set up two chairs sometimes and they'll go back to maybe a painful memory and and say and let themselves express whatever they didn't get to express in one mm-hmm. chair and then say to themselves the things they wish someone would have said to them. Right. That's like nice. you didn't do anything wrong. Right. I'm here. It's not, it's not your fault. All those kinds of things. And it's that's how we heal these things. We don't yeah. heal them by sitting around and talking about it for right. hours and right. hours and, and hours. And here's the point too, is like you could be a superpower, you know, worth a hundred million dollar executive. And still be really held back yep. by some of the, what they call the shadow self, by these shadow things that run. There's just this emotional patterns stuck from a young age yep. that if you haven't worked on them, you know, you're never going to feel f- complete or whole. Exactly. No matter, and the money's never going to fill that it hole. It never is. And, and often, you know, the, the most kind of like, I put successful in air quotes, we'll, we'll use maybe the word wealthy people are often those they've gotten there because of their compensatory strategies. Right, right. So to the degree that they're wealthy or on top of the world is the same degree that they've been terribly hard on themselves. Right. So that's why that like lack of fulfillment is there because it's living in one men's and the bar always has to be higher and they right. never feel like enough. You know, I would even say, now I'm thinking about other high achievers that usually are drawn to our work. And of course the Navy SEAL candidate, the Navy SEAL operator, the military special forces guy or, or, uh, Generally, anybody in that domain is a is an achiever. Yeah, and those who do well in like quick recovery from combat stress, because mm-hmm. I think everybody takes stress mm-hmm. on in combat because it's such an extreme negative environment and negative experience. But those who do well are the ones who have the emotional maturity going yeah. in either to the military or going into that. Yeah, into that space, you yeah. know. And that's kind of the Joshua Mans uh, story we were talking about earlier. Yes, he had an extremely traumatic situation, but it was. It was the emotional trauma of having not dealt with his early childhood stuff that caused the most pain mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. And so to me, and I'll, I'll run this by you, but it seems like if we want to teach resiliency, start with the emotional development to clear up this past yep. baggage, right? Yep. Because then it releases all that energy so you can process things in a healthy manner Absolutely. really quickly. Absolutely. And you don't get stuck back in those patterns, which, you know, some of these guys are stuck in these extremely negative patterns, which right. then get exacerbated by the drugs right. and oh, it's a downward spiral quickly. Yeah, because uh, yeah, resiliency isn't about plowing over things no. and, and pretending it. that oh. it didn't happen. And, you know, I see this a lot with high achievers. I've had a couple of guys in the military and it's hard for them because one, their identity is in accomplishing a task right. or being, being there for perfect, others being right perfect. being the strong yep. you know being the perfect military special ops guy you know everyone's yep. giving you accolades and you don't want to be perceived as broken exactly because then who are you because that's a that's a cultural label i guess yeah and we don't look at it that way we look at it as a necessity part of, necessary part of your development as a human being is to clear up the past as you grow up into your full potential. Yeah. They go hand in hand, right? Yeah, they go hand in hand. And I think for men, for the men listening, one thing that I think is important to say to them is give yourself a lot of attaboys. Mm-hmm. Like it's so important for men to feel proud and to feel proud of yourself, to acknowledge yourself, not like from this ego, like da, 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 but like proud of yourself, not just for your accomplishments, but who you are. Proud of yourself when you vulnerably share something. Like, that kind of feeling of pride like that, that we kind of want from our father or our leader or our captain or whoever it mm-hmm. may be is so important for men to like give themselves. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that part of the, the emasculation that men feel is that A, it's the, the emotional is not okay yeah. to show emotions, but then that makes, that basically cuts them in half. Right. Right, that cuts them in half. And so because of that, they feel like, okay, they feel less and whole. And then they're, you know, society is basically saying you're not enough. Right. You're not enough because you need to be more sensitive. Exactly. You need to be a better communicator. You need to be more trusting. You yeah. need to be more vulnerable. And they're like, which is it? Yeah. 
right? Do you want it's me confusing. to not show emotions or do you want me to show emotions? It's kind of confusing it for a lot confusing. of guys. It is confusing. And, and especially, this is one thing I've learned as a woman in my romantic relationships with men, friendships with my dad, whatever, is, and for the women listening, like you want to create a space for a man to be vulnerable. And you don't do that by picking at it, by mm-hmm. being like, Digging for the feelings. How are you feeling about this? Tell me. You never talk about your feelings. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. or, or trying to be their therapist or coach. Like, or fixing them. Or fixing them, yeah, right? Guys don't want like, to be fixed. No, 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 no. You create a space for it. Mm-hmm. And also don't use your man as your therapist or your girlfriend either, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's one thing I've learned that's the, one of the powers of being female is that if you really create a space where a man feels respected and like you, he trusts you, eventually I've noticed he will start to open up, sure. but I've tried it the opposite way by judging and picking and trying to be the coach and therapist and you sh- and dragging my exes to workshops and so <laughs> on and so forth. I don't advise that approach. Yeah. It's kind of ugly. Huh? <laughs> awesome. Well, we have, we're pretty much out of time. I, I could talk about this stuff Me all too. day long and I think it's so important. And, um, I, appreciate you for the work you're doing. Thank you. And, um, Likewise. How can folks learn about you? Your book is Expectation Hangover. Expectation Hangover. Okay. It's really how to leverage disappointment. It's, it's a personal development book. So and I some, take a you lot through of these tools are tons of these tools. The so what we look at is we look at why an expectation hangover is when things don't go according to plan or they go according to plan, but you don't feel like you thought you would mm-hmm. or life just throws you an unexpected curve. Which is all the time. All the time. And they, they always are illuminating something from our past. Mm-hmm that we have the opportunity to go in and heal and deal with. And so I take you through the emotional, mental, behavioral, and spiritual aspects of healing and transformation. Hmm. It's a deep book, lots of meditations, lots of exercises. Hmm. Um, it's a work, it's like you, you work your way through it. That's cool. Uh, yeah, like and that. then the podcast, if you want to listen to live life coaching, uh, it's over it and on with it. Over and it and on with it. Over it and on with it. And live life coaching sessions every Wednesday. So you come walk up. through a coaching session yep. with a client with on the somebody, air. not even a client. I have okay. people just call in. Guess, I know nothing okay. about them. It's not edited. And then after the call, I break down what I did and I give I the listener tools and things like that. And Saturdays, I have coaches corners, which you're going to be on. Have you ever had anyone call in where you just have to like kick them off after no. a few minutes? No, <laughs> no. The only call I haven't, I didn't air was someone whose whose accent and internet connection was a little too strong. You, I, you know, I knew people so would have people trouble understanding it. Understand it. Yeah, but other than that, I haven't had one call I haven't used. That's cool. Yeah, it's really and people That's- share so vulnerably. And there's some men on the show. I mean, more women call in, but some of the male callers have been so vulnerable and so amazing. Over it and on with it. Over it and on with it. Available iTunes. Yep. All those. All those places. All those places. Awesome. Thank you very much, Christine. Thank Appreciate you so much your time for having today. me. Yeah. Hoo yeah. Hoo yeah. <laughs> I like saying that. It makes know, me feel right? super cool. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, if you want some emotional development, and I encourage you to do so because we all need it, then go check out Christine's book and her podcast. And of course, um, Unbeatable Mind. Uh, keep your training up, stay focused, train hard, do the work because the work won't do you. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you at the summit, hopefully. And if not, then we'll see you in training someday soon. Divine out. Hoo-yah. Lock and load, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright-swinging frogmen of the U.T.T. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.